Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Sugar Freedom Show. I'm your host, Catherine Gordon, and you can get more information about Sugar Freedom at sugarfreedom.com. Today's episode, the number one reason why my readers have lost thousands of pounds and inches, and also how they continue to keep those pounds and inches off. Let me ask you a question. Would you regularly drink a beverage that makes you thirstier? Now, if the answer is no, I have to ask, why would you regularly eat foods that make you hungrier? Let's go back to a story from my childhood. So when I was probably about 11 or 12 years old, I drank a lot of regular sugary soda of of every kind, Um, Coke, Pepsi, 7-Up, Welch's Grape Soda. And I can remember as a youngster, uh, we actually were in the horse business and we raised and showed horses in Arizona. And very often we would get very, very hot. A lot of times in the shows you'd have to wear long sleeve shirts and long pants and chaps and you'd wear a hat or you would would wear uh, a hard hat if you were in English class. And it got pretty warm. It got pretty overheated. And we did still have shows in the summertime. Uh, And even in the spring, temperatures could get really high. And I can remember uh, walking back to the barn and there would be a cooler of soda. And I remember very specifically opening that cooler, grabbing a conventional soft drink and drinking it and thinking it only helps during the time that it's actually going down my throat. You know what I'm saying? The only, I only got relief from my thirst during the time that I was actually drinking the sugary soda. And as soon as I was done with the soda, I was still thirsty and I wanted more. But if I drank water, and of course this was before people were, you know, having, you know, bottled water all the time, and usually there'd be, you know, a tap or a sink or a cooler or even a hose. I'd drink it from the hose. But when I would drink water, my thirst would be quenched, and I could go on and do what I needed to do. Interestingly enough, very shortly after that was the debut of Diet Coke and Tab. Of course, Tab came before Diet Coke. And so I started to drink Tab. And one of the things I noticed is that Tab quenched my thirst, whereas conventional sodas, sodas sugary sodas, didn't. Now, I, it would have been wonderful if I had just said, wow, sugary soda doesn't work. I'm going to drink water instead. But I was still looking for the hit because I am a sugar addict and I am a food addict. So I'm looking for a hit from whatever I consume. And that hit comes from dopamine. And this is a reality both with uh, beverages and it's also a reality, re- reality with food. Dr. Pamela Peake wrote an, a wonderful article a few years ago called <laughs> The Dopamine Made Me Do It. And you can Google Dr. Pamela Peake, P-E-E-K-E, and The Dopamine Made Me Do It if you want to read that article. As long as I'm mentioning dopamine, one of the shocking things that's been discovered about the brain of the sugar addict and the food addict is that when our brains are studied, we have fewer dopamine receptors than people who are not addicted to food or sugar. And yes, I am saying addicted to food or sugar because I believe it's real. There was a report that was done uh, 10, 15 years ago by uh, a medical doctor, researcher, 
who went into, he essentially went in to prove that sugar addiction doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, he managed to do it pretty well. He managed to convince his colleagues to close the book on the idea that, that sugar or food can be addictive. And his reasoning was that we need food to live, we need glucose to live, and therefore it's not addictive. Well, the reality is that the body can make its own glucose through gluconeogenesis. Yes, the brain does require some glucose to function. That is the truth. But just because something is required for life doesn't mean that you can't become addicted to it. And I think that this is the great argument. There are particular foods and beverages that when I and my readers and my coaching clients consume them or drink them, trigger more eating, and that don't perform in the function that they're supposed to perform, the function being to nourish, satisfy, quench thirst, and quench appetite as well. And so one of the things that I want you to consider, dear listeners and readers and clients, is I would like you to start to think in terms of quenching your appetite. Because it is so clear, when you drink a beverage that's, you know, maybe it may be salty or it may be very sweet, when you drink a a beverage and it does not quench your thirst, that is obvious. And you know that in terms of if, if the goal of consuming that beverage was to quench your thirst, then that beverage has failed. You haven't failed. The beverage has failed. That beverage has failed to perform its function. Now, let's go ahead and transfer that concept over to food. If you eat a food and it does not nourish and satisfy you until your next scheduled meal, that food has failed. You haven't failed. The food has failed. And I think that what is so important, if you have any degree of sugar or food addiction, is to go ahead, forgive yourself, and then take responsibility for your actions. Tell yourself the truth and understand the more I study the science and a wonderful um, study that I just looked at again coming out of the University of Kuwait dealing with the ketogenic diet not only for weight loss and fat loss but also for reducing appetite and for improving mood, overcoming depression, it is good stuff. And i got to tell you, I really cannot wait for more well-designed studies on the ketogenic diet are done because we need those studies. We need that hard science and that hard evidence to make our case so that we can get acceptance and support for our sugar-free lifestyle. So once again, thinking in terms of quenching your appetite. So we are doing the little black dress challenge right now. And I will be honest with you, I... I have written Sugar Freedom. I have a product. I have an ebook, an online ebook, an online product that I get very excited about when it sells. Every copy that sells, if you own it, you know, you're put on the email list. You get my email contact. I get contact with you, and with every person who buys and does Sugar Freedom, we grow our awareness, our knowledge, our acceptance, and our support for a sugar-free lifestyle. And I am so lucky because here in Sonora, California, I get to work live with clients who come in and take uh, my Young and Healthy BodyCon class. So I'm working with a client right now who's having wonderful success 
really leaning out after having a baby. And we both talked about the fact that we went through the sugar strike and we both tried to see if we could readjust, add some more healthy carbohydrates like low sugar fruits and um, and things like chia seed and flax seed and coconut flakes and also sometimes oat bran because that sometimes does seem to be one one grain that, that people who want to release fat can consume. We both agreed that, like, yeah, we're going to try this. We're going to see if we can add some more variety, if we can broaden the variety of the food we're eating. And we both agree. We both had the same reaction. Appetite came roaring back. And this happened to me the day before yesterday. And it was, I'm not going to say that it was distressing or depressing, but it just it was just simply an awareness of reality that I personally, Catherine Gordon, have a very, very, very low tolerance for carbohydrates, and I'm very easily sh- triggered even by something as simple as a Granny Smith apple and a bowl of, you know, chia seed, flax seed, and coconut flakes. Something about those combinations, higher in carbs, I think we're looking at probably, you know, 25 grams of carbohydrates in that meal. Um, honest to goodness, I had the Granny Smith apple, two slices of bacon, two eggs, and the bowl of um, that Freedom cereal. And I have to tell you, an hour and a half after I ate that, I was ravenous. That's absolutely nuts. If you look at at the calorie content of that meal, that was like 700 calories. It was a big meal. Hour and a half later, I am starving. And the reality is, is that for me, for my lifestyle, <laughs> what I want to do with my life, which is to coach you and to and to write and to be an artist, to be a performing artist, I simply cannot afford that kind of hunger. And it was very interesting talking to my client as well. She said the same thing, going right back to the sugar strike. And as you know, the sugar strike is your, your clean, simple proteins, your simple, clean fats, and above-ground vegetables. And, of course, you know, we got some onion, we got some carrot, we got some radish in there. Uh, We have salsa, we have avocados, we have olives. There are all kinds of wonderful foods that we can eat to add variety and interest and satisfaction to that way of eating. But the truth is, is that for, for me and for many of my clients who are highly, highly, highly carbohydrate sensitive, it simply isn't worth it. The variety is not worth the loss in satiety. Now, that being said, what I hope for you and what I do, once again, I have to say how lucky I am to actually be able to work with people live uh, and to really talk to them about their experience with their nutrition. Many of the clients that I have worked with who have lost a significant amount of pounds and inches, literally, I have the records, thousands of pounds and inches, Many of them can eat low sugar fruits and uh, the uh, more nuts, more dairy, and they also can sometimes do well on you know some grains, sometimes rice, sometimes something like you know couscous or quinoa, and sometimes a uh, you know an organic oat bran, and I think that that is fantastic for them. My wish for you is that your menu, your nutrition can be as varied and as broad as it, as it possibly can be 
while still allowing you to release fat and keep it off for good. And the great question for you, as you look at all of the foods you eat, and if you're doing sugar freedom, if you finish the sugar strike and you're moving into ongoing sugar freedom, notice your appetite and think in terms of the same way that a tall, cool glass of water quenches your thirst. I want you to think of the foods, the freedom foods that quench your appetite. And how do you know when it's quenched? For me, it means that you can establish what you're going to eat for the day, prepare that food, sit down at, you know, for for me, it's generally three meals with nothing in between, sometimes only two meals, especially if I'm teaching in the evening or I have classes in the evening. Sometimes I will only eat two, two meals. That is the truth. It is so important to me that I be honest with you. Um, and then um, on the weekends, very often, I will have three meals so that I can sit down and, and eat with my family. But the reality is, is that that's how I know it's working. If I am not having these constant thoughts about food in between meals. So this morning, right back on the sugar strike, eating my, my proteins, my healthy fats, and my above-ground vegetables, and I'm sitting here and talking to you and feeling so full and so satisfied and so content and so optimistic and ready today. Now, one of the reasons why I am sticking to a more ketogenic protocol is also because I do have problems with my mood, sadness, and depression. This weekend, I did a wonderful life coaching seminar with a large group of women here in Sonora, and uh, Margaret Lawrence gave the seminar. Uh, Send me an email, Catherine at SugarFreedom.com, if you want more information. She is local here in Sonora, California. During the seminar, I was so aware, really looking into my heart and my mind, of, of areas where I wasn't being authentic and how sad that was making me. I also had also been napping more lately. You know, I closed my studio in July, so I didn't have that regular requirement to be there teaching classes. And I noticed what was slipping away, a couple of things. I wasn't walking the dogs outside. I wasn't going to the gym to train. I was doing more minor trainings here at home, although I can do a good training here at home if I do commit to it. And I was just, I was allowing some of my healthy habits to slip. And what I realized is it was starting to, to harm my mood. And so I think that there is a connection for me between food, exercise, well-being, and being able to, you know, fulfill my life purpose, do the things that I want to do. So I want to encourage you, if you start to feel a little droopy or down, really look at getting out and getting some sunshine, or you might need a light box, which is what I have, getting out in the fresh air and getting that exercise. And then also for me, sticking to a more ketogenic food plan because it reduces appetite and increases my mood. Now, on Friday, I do have another episode of the Sugar Freedom Show, which is going to go on at 9 o'clock Pacific. I'm going to give you the, the guest call-in number. It is 347-850-1979. That's going to go up at 9 o'clock Pacific on Friday. I'm committed. I will be there. If you want to call in and ask me questions, you can. Otherwise, send me questions, Catherine at SugarFreedom.com. 
whatever you're dealing with in terms of food, nutrition, exercise, and getting satisfied. So that is it for today. I want you to think in terms of finding the foods that quench your appetite. So with that, I'm Catherine Gordon for Sugar Freedom saying have a great day, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Bye-bye, everybody.